Do you have recruiting concerns? Well, never fear. Parker is here from OU Insider at 247 Sports to allay all of your recruiting fears on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Sooners Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Go check us out on YouTube as well, where we just hit the 2,000 subscriber mark. Thank you so much, Sooner Nation. Joining me today is Josh Helmer from 94.7 The Ref and Norman. You can hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. You can also follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Josh, how's it going, man? It's going great. Let's bring in somebody else from the ref as well. Parker Thune of OU Insider, of course, as well joins us. And let's allay some of those recruiting concerns. For whatever reason, Parker, the last week, last couple of weeks, I guess that has turned into the buzz topic with Oklahoma football recruiting is all of a sudden we got out of the softball baseball euphoria and it turned into, I don't know, some sort of recruiting haze panic. So Oklahoma take everybody through where they're at right now in the team recruiting rankings. And what's your reaction reaction, excuse me, to the panic that is out there from some, some portion of the Sooner fan base. Well, here's, here's the deal fellas. I think what's driving the panic more than anything else is the desire to keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses in this case are the Longhorns and to Texas's credit, uh, they have recruited very, very well in this cycle and they are on a heater over the last week or so. I think since they had the bombshell commitment from Arch Manning last week, in total, they've had 10 commits, six of them blue chips, three of those being five stars, and have now ascended to the number two slot in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings for the class of 2023. Thing is, this is nothing new for Texas. They recruit well every single year. <laughs> the issue is that's only half the battle. In fact, that's not even half the battle, if we're being honest with ourselves. Once you have the talent, you have to develop the talent. And that is one thing Texas has not done. That is one thing Oklahoma has done when you look at the last two decades in particular. So I understand why the panic is happening. What I don't understand is the rationale behind the panic because it's a vicious cycle and it's something we see every single year with Oklahoma and Texas. We see this every single year where the Longhorns start to out-recruit the Sooners and Somebody hits the panic button and all of a sudden, oh boy, I don't know how OU is going to keep up with Texas. I don't know how they're going to compete going forward as they make the transition to the SEC. Clearly, Oklahoma is going to be behind the eight ball because all they're getting is three stars while Texas is getting five stars. We have this same cycle. We experience this year in and year out. And at some point, people are going to quit drinking the burnt orange Kool-Aid and wait for Texas to provide some tangible evidence on the gridiron that they have turned the corner as a program, but uh, not, not really surprising to see that happen again for Oklahoma. They have eight commits right now, I believe sitting at number 38 in the 24 seven sports recruiting rankings. And at face value, you look at that, you say, okay, 38, 
as a program, Oklahoma should be doing a lot better than that, regardless of whether it's June or not. But if you look ahead to the next week, week and a half or so, Oklahoma is on the precipice of getting several big-time commitments that could help vault them into the top 20, top 15, even, of the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. And as you look further down the line in July, there are some additional dates or some at least some guys that uh, haven't nailed down a date quite yet but are expected to decide sometime in the latter half of the month that could help push Oklahoma into the top 10 or even the top five of the recruiting rankings. So I think folks are going to be singing a very different tune with regard to Oklahoma and Brent Venable's recruiting efforts come this time next month. So speaking of Brent Venable's, it's a, it's a new year. It's a new crew. Half the coaching staff is different. What is different about a recruiting cycle under Brent Venable's than say Lincoln Riley in years past? Well, it's, it's got to be the timeline more so than anything else. That's something that some folks have already reconciled with and become accustomed to. It's, I think that's as well something that's driving the panic right now from that certain contingent of the fan base that's worried about recruiting is in years past, especially under Lincoln Riley, you could count on a few commitments pretty much every single month all year round. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that Once you had guys committed, Riley was willing to let them go take other visits, enjoy the process. As long as they stayed committed to Oklahoma, that was all that mattered to him. What Brent Venables and his staff are telling these guys is that, hey, uh, you can go take your visits and you can see all the schools you want to see. You're not going to find a better spot than the University of Oklahoma. We trust that. So go enjoy the process. Take as many visits as you want to take. But don't commit here. Don't even try to commit here until you are 1,000% certain that you're ready to shut it down and go nowhere else. Because once we take your commitment, you are committed to us and we are committed to you and we're not going to let you go anywhere else. So with a lot of these guys, the Sooners would get commits uh, in years past in March, April, May, even before official visit season rolled around for a lot of these prospects here in 2022. Many of these guys are going to want to take all of their officials before they arrive at their final decision. And so, especially when Oklahoma is in the mix and they have the philosophy that they do where, you know, we're not going to take your commitment and we're not going to allow you to commit until you're willing to look us in the eye and tell us you're not going to go anywhere else. That's naturally going to push back the timeline a little bit. Every so often you'll get an exception to the rule, right? A guy like Keon Brown decides to commit out of the blue without taking any official visits, but Not everybody's wired like that. And when you have five official visits to take as a prospect and those are done on the school's dime and they pay for your travel and they pay for your food and they pay for your gear and the photo shoot and all that. Heck, if I'm in the kid's shoes, why wouldn't I take advantage of that process and milk it for all that it's worth? So, again, not every kid's wired the same way. But with the philosophy that Venables and his staff have espoused, it is naturally going to push the timeline back such that the avalanche, as it were, isn't going to start coming until June, July at the earliest. You've touched on this, Parker, but don't you just get the indication that by the time we kick off this 2022 season, it will be a totally different world? for Oklahoma in terms of what their standing looks like in a 
247 sports uh, composite team ranking? Yes. Uh, and I obviously did touch on that uh, earlier. As you look ahead to the month of July, that's where you're going to have a lot of very consequential decisions that could swing in favor of Oklahoma. And look, the Sooner staff put a lot of eggs in the basket of the champion barbecue back on June 3rd. And uh, you combine the official visits that took place on June 3rd with the group of stragglers that came in the following week, June 8th through the 10th. The Sooners as a program have 56 official visits that they can give out. They can essentially sponsor 56 official visits per cycle to prospects in each class. And so uh, every that is the allotment given to every school. And you have to be wise and you have to be, um, I suppose, prudent with the way that you use those official visits you have to be mindful of your recruiting strategy and how it's going to affect the numbers game and Oklahoma put a lot of eggs in that basket early on in the process so between June 3rd and June 10th they hosted 35 official visitors you look down the line that leaves them 21 for the late summer and the fall so they are counting on a lot of those guys that were on campus on June 3rd taking a look around deciding there's no better place for them than Oklahoma circling back around and committing to OU. And when that is the philosophy and when that is the perspective that you're employing, you circle the month of July as the month where a lot of those decisions are going to come down because June is traditionally where many of these prospects will end up taking their official visits more and more, especially in the aftermath of COVID you're seeing kids, express a desire to lock it in with their school of choice before their senior season starts in August. So uh, many of them will be committing at the end of June, throughout July, at the very latest early portions of August. I would say that's going to hold true for 70% of the guys across the board in this 2023 cycle. So with that in mind, you're circling the month of July is the month where a lot of it is going to happen for Oklahoma. And coming up next, we're going to talk about a few of the most recent commits for the Oklahoma Sooners with Parker Thune of OU Insider and 24-7 Sports. But first, let me talk to you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. They've got everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And why would you choose to spend 30 50 or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can go to Rock Auto? Dot com and save. So go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Parker, the guy I want to ask you about first is somebody you've already mentioned, and that's Keon Brown. He was a surprise standout at one of Brent Venable's camps uh, just a few weeks ago. And you mentioned it not long after that, he committed. So what was it that really stood out about his performance at camp that led to an offer? And then, I mean, why was it such a quick recruitment for him? Well, to answer the second half of your question, John, well, I suppose not to answer the second half of your question, because I don't know if, I don't know if there is a plausible answer. Keon Brown just essentially he visited Oklahoma to come to camp and decided, hey, this is the spot for me. I don't need to see anywhere else. He actually was at Alabama that weekend that he committed and received an Alabama offer after performing 
at their camp as well. So a lot of people figured they, they saw the announcement coming. They're like, okay, Keon Brown's going to Alabama, right? Nope. Oklahoma's the choice. And yeah, again, I couldn't tell you why that happened or why it happened as quickly as it did. It's just the end of the day, Keon Brown felt like that was home. And in talking to him, um, he really didn't feel like he needed to uh, put any more thought or effort into the process. Oklahoma felt like the spot for him felt like the best fit for him. And uh, he becomes the first wide receiver commit of the cycle for the Sooners after they lost the pledge from Ashton Cozart about a month back. Uh, as far as his performance at the camp and what stands out about the kid, he's six foot three, 190 pounds, has really shot onto the scene strong as of late. He actually didn't even have a collegiate offer until January, if you can believe that. So Florida State, the hometown program for the Tallahassee native, they were the first to offer in January. And then it was a whirlwind after that. Pretty much every single camp he's been to, he's been one of the standout performers, if not the standout performer. And there's a lot of buzz that this is the type of guy, especially from folks down in Florida who have seen a lot of him. There's a lot of buzz that this is the type of guy that you could see playing on Sundays one day. So uh, right now he's currently on the higher end of the three-star spectrum in the 24-7 sports composite. I expect that he will ultimately work his way into blue chip territory and could be as high as top 150 by the time this cycle is finished. What about another skill guy in Caleb Hicks running back out of Texas? How did his recruitment process play out in favor, obviously, of Oklahoma here? And what should Sooner fans be excited about? Yeah, so this is a guy uh, that is widely regarded as one of the best running backs, if not the absolute best running back in the state of Texas in the 2023 cycle. Obviously, I think the the majority of folks would side with Ruben Owens, say he's probably the most dominant at the position, but there is a contingent that believes Caleb Hicks is as good as anybody in the Lone Star State at the position. Now, uh, it wasn't it wasn't immediately clear whether Oklahoma was going to offer him. They had kind of flirted with recruiting him for a while, but at the time they were trending really nicely for Dylan Edwards. They had an official visit on the books with Richard Young, and so there seemed to be some – uh, priorities that took precedent at the running back position that might preclude them from offering Caleb Hicks. But one thing leads to another. He gets the offer. He takes the official visit and he shuts it down. That was the only official visit that he took. Uh, comes from a powerhouse high school, Denton Ryan in Texas, which the Sooners were able to break into a couple years back when they got a commitment uh, from Billy Bowman. Uh, shout out to Jada Coleman and by default, Patty Gasso on that one. Patty Gasso was essentially the one that opened up the Ryan pipeline for Oklahoma. <laughs> but uh, Hicks right now is a four star in the 24-7 sports composite. And if the Sooners are able to lock down a pledge from Dalen Smothers, another four star back out of the state of North Carolina in the coming days, that's going to mark back-to-back classes, guys, in which DeMarco Murray has landed not one but two of the top 15 running backs in the nation. So uh, mad props to DeMarco, and I think the narrative that he can't recruit is just about dead at this point. Well, it should be dead. I mean, because you think about he had Relique Brown until Lincoln Riley left. Like, that was a big-time commitment that he had secured as well. You can't blame a kid for wanting to move on when the head coach that he committed to moved on. But, I mean, DeMarco Murray got that guy too at some point. Whether he stayed with Oklahoma or not, I don't think that should be all on DeMarco Murray necessarily. Another guy I want to ask you about is from your home state, Parker. That's Cade McIntyre, 
from Nebraska. Talk to us about him. What makes him special? How did he kind of stand out in the Sooners' eyes? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll share this insight from a very authoritative source that I spoke with on the Nebraska high school football scene. Um, and I already shared this to our VIPs at OUinsider.com. I've talked about it on the radio, but it's just such a good insight that it bears repeating here. Uh, so was having a conversation with this source while I was up in Omaha attending the College World Series uh, and covering it as Oklahoma baseball made their run. And we were just we were just kind of chatting about the state of high school football in Nebraska. Some of the elite guys in the picture, a guy like Malachi Coleman, for instance, I talk about the surge of in-state commits for Nebraska as of late. And eventually the conversation rolls around to Cade McIntyre. And he says to me, this source does, that kid is a mean football player. He is mean as a snake. And so are there guys that are maybe more physically gifted or more highly regarded than him? Sure. But when he gets to Oklahoma, he's going to be a monster because you put him in a competitive environment. All he knows is to go and beat somebody. And he said, look, that, that kid and his brother, he's got an older brother, Koa, that was a three-star safety in the class of 2022, ultimately signed with Wyoming. He said, those are two of the most overlooked and under-recruited guys that I have ever seen come through this state. They both have the capacity to be legitimate players at the next level. And so for Cade McIntyre, what's exciting about him is the positional versatility. The Sooners' plans are to start him at tight end. And if there's not a viable path to playing time for him there, they don't feel like it's the best fit. They're perfectly willing to move him over to linebacker uh, where he has arguably just as high, if not an even higher ceiling. So that's a guy that is going to find the field at some point. It's just a matter of where. And when he has so much versatility and he's got the skills that he does, four or five speed, strong as an ox. And like that source was saying, just mean as a snake. Those are the qualities that are going to help you stand out, especially at a place like Oklahoma, where there is a lot of value given to competitive toughness and that edge that can't really be quantified, but that is so evident when you step onto the field in a competitive environment. The Oklahoma offensive line class obviously got a little bit bigger with Heath Azeda's commitment joining Joshua Bates. What can you tell us about Heath? Yeah, so Heath Ozida from Snoqualmie, Washington. How about that? It's not often that the Sooners head to the Pacific Northwest uh, to bring in anybody, let alone an offensive lineman. Bill Biedenboe had not really mined that area all that much over the course of his career at Oklahoma. He'd tried. The Sooners went after Josh Connerly. They went after Dave Euly. There were a couple other guys from up that way that Biedenboe pursued. But uh, this is uh, – I think I want to say Drew Samia was from that area, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, this is the first time in a long time that Biedenboe has dipped into the Pacific Northwest uh, to bring a kid back home to Oklahoma. And it is a homecoming for Heath Ozida. Uh, his parents are both from Oklahoma. He grew up a big time Sooner fan. And so as soon as he got the offer, you kind of knew that this was going to be the spot for him. And lo and behold, um, he went ahead and committed five days later. It was the dream offer. It was where he wanted to be if there was a viable path for him to be a Sooner. And so 
It was a very open and shut recruitment from Beatonbow and the Oklahoma staff. You turn on the tape, Ozida's impressive, and I think he's a guy that could very well be a four-star by the end of the cycle as well. Again, one of those guys that's on the higher end of the three-star spectrum right now. But six foot six, 296 pounds. He moves very, very well. He moves very well for an offensive tackle and he's going to need to put on weight at the next level. He's going to need to carry probably at least 315, 320 for you to feel real good about him, but he is athletic. He gets to the next level quickly. He finishes blocks. He's a punisher, a mauler in the run game. The question when you look at his tape is how much pass protection has he done in a very run heavy offense at Mount Si high school. So uh, I, I think that's maybe the one area in which folks are tentative about Heath Ozida, but I'm a big believer in the kid, and I think he has what it takes to be a cornerstone on the offensive line for Oklahoma at some point down the line, provided he develops adequately in Jerry Schmidt's strength and conditioning program. The people, the people, Parker, would like to ask you a couple of questions, so we're going to give oh, them... Boy. Oh, yes, boy. I know it's dangerous, but we're opening it up for the pseudo fans out there to ask you a couple of questions tonight. Real quick, though, let me tell you this show, as always, brought to us by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Major League Baseball season, we know, is underway. You can get all of the latest odds over there on Major League Baseball. Bet Online, your continued source for all of your sports wagering information including live betting, esports, scores, and more. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, John, you've got this list procured over there, so I'll let you tee off first. Yeah, so we talked to the people over on our Twitter account, at Locked On Sooners, as well as here on the YouTube page as well. We said, hey, we got Parker coming on. What do you want to ask him? And so the first question comes from at Jackson Moore 5327. And he asks, in your opinion, is there a position group once we get to the SEC, we might have a little harder time recruiting than we do now? No, I don't think there is. And the reason I say that is because once Oklahoma has that SEC patch on the jersey, it only gets easier to recruit all across the board. So I, and maybe that sounds like an oversimplified answer. I, I really just don't think there's a whole lot of nuance there. No, I don't expect that it's going to be more difficult for Oklahoma to recruit at any individual position once they transition to the SEC. In fact, I think it will get much, much easier. Which, which position do you think is going to benefit them the most? Like, is there one that you think, okay, we're going to see them maybe recruit a little bit better, maybe just in Brent Venables? I would say I would say it's in the trenches, probably offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And a lot of folks have been critical of Bill Biedenboe as of late, which I just don't get because the Sooners' issues on the offensive line, what issues they have had over the last few years, I think you can chalk up to Benny Wiley and the SNC program more so than Biedenboe himself. He's widely regarded as one of the finest offensive line coaches in the country, and he's put a myriad of dudes in the NFL. So I've never understood the beat and bow slander, but his job's going to get a whole lot easier once they make the transition to the SEC. And I think what really gets a lot of fans excited at this point in time is that regardless of when the SEC transition happens, now that you have Todd Bates as your defensive line coach, you look ahead to that 2024 class. You've got guys like David Stone, T.A. Cunningham, Heaven Brown Schuler, 
Nigel Smith, Williams Nwaneri. Those are the types of guys that historically you haven't been able to go and get on the recruiting trail. And does that have to do with the advent of Todd Bates more so than the move to the SEC? Yeah, probably. But the move to the SEC and the promise of playing elite competition along the defensive line, uh, I think that helps quite a bit when you're talking about the Sooners' chances to land some of those blue-chip high four- and five-star type of guys on the defensive line. Robert asked kind of an interesting question. How do you see – because Oklahoma's obviously had a rich tradition. You think about the last national championship winning quarterback was a JUCO quarterback in Josh Heupel. Is that a part of the plan in the future for OU? How do you see maybe the JUCO ranks – factoring in for the Sooners, if at all? Well, I think you got a Juco guy on campus right now that's good enough to start a quarterback sometime down the line in General Booty. I am really excited to see how he develops. And obviously there's going to be a ton of competition for the starting quarterback position at the University of Oklahoma in the years to come because you've got Nick Evers on campus right now. You've got Jackson Arnold coming next year. Jackson Arnold might win the Elite 11 this week, guys. That's very much on the table. He is... And our director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports, Steve Wiltfong, even went ahead and said there's a chance that he could ultimately overtake Arch Manning to be the number one player overall in this 2023 recruiting class. I, To be honest, I'm going to have to see that to believe it just because I think Arch Manning's name carries so much weight that it's going to be hard for anybody to vault over top of him. But that's the type of talent Jackson Arnold is. My point, though, is that – this is no longer the type of deal at the quarterback position where it's one dude every two years, and that's what you're banking on. You're banking on those dudes panning out. No, Jeff Lebby and Brent Venables, by design, are creating a lot of high-level competition within the quarterback room. And Dylan Gabriel's your guy this year, but if he's off to the NFL next year, there's really not a clear answer as to who the next guy is. It could be Nick Evers. It could be Jackson Arnold as a true freshman. It could very well be somebody like General Booty. And so I think if you're talking specifically about the quarterback position, Josh, I don't know that Oklahoma is going to rely on the JUCO circuit as much there, but I can see it coming into play at a position like wide receiver. For instance, you think about a guy like D.D. Westbrook, one of the greats to ever don the Crimson and Cream. He was a JUCO product defensive line Perry on Winfrey uh, gave the Sooners some elite play in the trenches after his stint in Juco. So I don't know whether they will rely heavily on it going forward, but it will be the type of thing where year in and year out, I think you'll see two to three guys from the Juco ranks that Venables, Lebby, Bates, etc., pull into the program and attempt to get a couple good years of football out of. One more question for you. Do we find a way to get multiple elite defensive line prospects and multiple elite offensive line prospects in this class? In this class. And that one's from Bass Raider over on YouTube. Sorry. About that. So, Which of course I, is a fantastic name, but yes, carry on. Parker. Oh man. I, I think it depends on, I, I think it depends on how you define your terms there, because are you talking about multiple prospects on the offensive line and multiple prospects on the defensive line or just multiple prospects across the board in the trenches? Look, I think the Sooners are in position to land Caden Green's commitment 
next week. Uh, there's some smoke from Mizzou. There's some belief that maybe Nebraska with the NIL dollars that they're shelling out uh, is going to make a late run as well. But I like where the Sooners stand and have for a while. I've had a crystal ball in for over a year. So that is a top 100 player in the country, regardless of position. I think he will be the cornerstone of your offensive line class. Right now, nobody knows with any degree of certainty what's going to happen with Derek LeBlanc's announcement a month from yesterday, uh, July 28th. OU, Florida, and Penn State are the final three there, and there is a quiet confidence that Oklahoma could be the spot for LeBlanc. What I'm getting at here is there's a very legitimate chance that by this time next month, the Sooners have a top 100 player on both the offensive line and the defensive line committed. Now, beyond that, I don't know, and I wouldn't be comfortable predicting that there's going to be anybody else at those two positions that you really would quantify as elite in terms of ranking that'll jump on board. But you look at a kid like Peyton Kirkland, who's a blue chipper on the offensive line, and he's going to announce... Uh, on July 23rd as well. The Sooners are in that battle uh, just as much as anybody at this point. And Michigan State's made a run. Miami's in the mix. Florida's in the mix. But there are a lot of folks that like where Oklahoma stands uh, at the moment. So uh, I also I also think it depends on how you categorize the edge position, whether you consider that defensive line or whether you're talking more about interior guys, because I also think the Sooners end up with P.J. Adabare, the four-star out of North Kansas City, whom uh, I have said many a time, I think he could be a five-star by the end of this cycle. That's how good of a football player he is, and that's how fast he has risen onto the scene. So I know he's already in five-star territory, according to some recruiting publications assessment. At, in the 24-7 sports composite right now, I want to say he's the number 98 player nationally, but that's another guy, you know, 6'5", 240, a lot more of a hand-in-the-dirt guy than he is a stand-up guy. So that's another player that you would regard as elite in the trenches that I think the Sooners are well-positioned to land. Because there's nothing better, Parker, than ending a show with a potential firestorm, let's oh, visit these comments, which I'm sure you've seen from one Malachi Nelson. But for those that haven't read these comments, uh, this is from, again, Malachi Nelson, former Oklahoma quarterback commit. Quote, Coach Riley and I have talked, listed some guys that we've got to go try and really meet these guys, shake their hands, show them around L.A. I mean, it's hard for these guys to say, no, I don't want to go here. You know what I'm saying? Even back at Oklahoma, it was a little bit more difficult to get guys to come to Norman. We had started moving the class there when he made the move and I made the move. We started building this class. I mean, we've got a solid shell around that we could start recruiting. What's your reaction to Malachi Nelson and those remarks about recruiting to L.A. and it being more difficult to recruit the Norman? I, I mean, I'm not shocked. Because you heard Caleb Williams say the same thing to a certain extent. Right? I think his comment was like, Norman doesn't have any shopping and L.A.'s got plenty of that. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, even living in Oklahoma, as the three of us do, we have to acknowledge that L.A. has an allure that not a lot of other places have. And so, sure, to a certain extent, it may be easier for, especially for guys that are a lot more, bent toward the glitz and glamour 
to get them to visit your campus. And a place like LA on paper has a lot more that would appeal to that type of player and that type of person than somewhere like Norman, Oklahoma. What that doesn't take into account, obviously, is the football tradition. And that's one thing uh, where I would say Oklahoma has a distinct advantage over USC, particularly in recent history. And I know that I know the immediate argument is going to be, well, USC's won a national championship more recently. Okay, sure. Texas has won a national championship more recently. I don't think anyone's arguing that Texas is in a better place as a program right now than Oklahoma. So I, I'm i not shocked to hear those comments. I don't think Malachi Nelson was trying to take a dig at Oklahoma or come off as derogatory in any manner. But that's the that's the one thing you have to keep in mind if you're a Sooner fan and you're hearing those comments is that the allure of Oklahoma and the allure of the Sooner football program will always be what has happened and what will happen on the gridiron rather than outside of it. And the guys that are gripped and the guys that are, I suppose, um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but the type of player that you want to be recruiting is the type of player that's more concerned with what goes on on the field than off it, right? And that's not to say that USC is recruiting the wrong type of player, but that is to say that Oklahoma has their philosophy, and it's quite different from the USC philosophy. And I would think, given Brent Venable's track record and everything that he and members of his staff have accomplished as coaches— now that they can walk into recruits' houses with the OU logo on their polos or pullovers and recruit to a program that has so much history, so much tradition, and so much pull as the University of Oklahoma, that's going to go plenty far enough to make sure that this program remains elite for years to come. Yeah, recruiting the right kind of guys, that's exactly what Brent Venables wants to do. He's, he's not concerned about going to shop in Norman crossing or whatever the mall there is or outdoor shopping at uh what is it? Clawson, Clawson square in Oklahoma city. I was just there and I can't remember the name. Dang it. Uh, Trader Joe's though. That's pretty good stuff in Oklahoma city. But uh, yeah, it's, I think Brent Venables has a philosophy he has a mindset and he's even said it in the past. Like if those things are of your interest, if NIL is a priority for you, this is probably not the place for you. I mean, we're not going to ignore it, but if that's going to be what is the top of mind thing for you, then you probably need to look somewhere else. And I think he's been very upfront about that, and that's okay. And it's and it's okay for Malachi Nelson to be upfront about you know what they're trying to accomplish there too. It's not surprising. I think um, maybe what is surprising is just the idea that they didn't have a good recruiting class built here yet before moving over because I think the recruiting class is pretty strong. Uh, of the commitments they had in 2023 before every, the transition all happened. So it is what it is. High school kids say what high school kids are going to say. The Oklahoma Sooners got a great one in Jackson Arnold, who sounds exciting that he might be the number one quarterback. At the very least, he's a guy that's got like that kind of Brent Venables edge to him. Just in when we got to talk to him a couple weeks ago, hearing him at Elite 11, he's just out there to compete and he wants to win and he wants to, to do his very best on the field. Parker, one more question for you, because it just happened today. We've got to ask you about Cole Adams. 
uh, in-state guy. Oklahoma was kind of late to the process in there. Is that ultimately what led to him going to Alabama as opposed to staying in-state? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, On a very fundamental level, that is why Cole Adams decided to go to Alabama over Oklahoma. And look, far be it from me uh, to question the pecking order that Brent Venables and Cale Gundy and the rest of that Oklahoma staff have at the wide receiver position. But I think there's a very good chance that Cole Adams will be looked back upon as the one that got away, the out-of-state kid that OU allowed to slip through their fingers in this class because you understand not getting by Job, right? He's not an Oklahoma native, and so if he ends up going to Michigan State or Alabama as somebody that doesn't really feel the same pull towards OU as somebody who spent their entire life in the state, it's understandable. And are you disappointed by it? Sure, but you you understand it. You get it. It makes sense that the Sooners aren't going to get Luke has because the second Lincoln Riley left, he had a lot of family ties to Arkansas. Arkansas was kind of always where his heart was. He was committed to Lincoln Riley. He wasn't committed to Oklahoma. So the new staff never really had a shot with Luke has. It just wasn't going to go down that way with Micah tease. He's solidly trending in a different direction right now. And that has a lot to do with the fact that the Sooners staff wanted him to play defensive back and Micah tease preferred to play wide receiver. They just weren't on the same page and that's okay. That's again, one of those things that you may be disappointed by, but you certainly understand with Cole Adams. I think the optics of his offer were not good at all. And I remember talking about it in the immediate aftermath, might've talked about it with you on this podcast, but Cole Adams wasn't offered by Oklahoma until the day after Ashton Cozart decommitted and flipped to Oregon. So if I'm Cole Adams and the Oklahoma staff has dragged their feet and kind of flirted with me for months and months and months, but haven't yet offered me. And then all of a sudden their one wide receiver commit decides he's going to go somewhere else. And then they circle back around with the offer. I don't feel like a priority. And given that Alabama had been months earlier to the punch as far as offering him and had made him a priority from the get-go, given him a committable offer, hosted him on an unofficial visit, and invited him back for an official, Nick Saban did everything he needed to do in this recruitment, pulled all the right strings to get a kid that was in Oklahoma's backyard out of the Sooner State. And again, maybe Oklahoma will turn out to be fine at the wide receiver position in this class. They've got Keon Brown committed. There's a very good chance they get a top 50 player nationally in Jaquay's Petaway, and they're trending in the right direction for Anthony Evans as well. But I, there is no doubt in my mind that Cole Adams is going to go to Alabama and have success. He is a very good football player, and he is a very talented wide receiver. I think this is going to be much akin to the Josh Jacobs situation more so than the David Cornwell situation, right? Because those are two, those are two Oklahoma kids that Alabama brought in and their careers went very differently. I'm not saying Cole Adams is going to be a first round pick like Josh Jacobs was, but I think down the line, there will be some folks that look back on Cole Adams recruitment, see what he has done to that point in Alabama and are kind of kicking themselves wondering what might've happened if that guy had been a sooner. Well, there you have it. All the recruiting insight that you'll need, at least not all of it, but most of it. The rest of it you can get over at OU Insider. 
247 Sports, 247 Sports. You can subscribe to the premium access where you can get behind the scenes look from Parker, from Brandon Drum, from all the other guys over there. They do great work on the recruiting front, from Josh's brother, Joey, who does a lot of great work covering other sports as well. Great place to get great information over at OU Insider. Parker, it's always a pleasure to have you. One of the OGs of my tenure hosting Locked On Sooners here. One of the first guests I ever had. So almost two years in now to hosting Locked On Sooners and thankful that you're still willing to come back and, and join the show with us, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Always a pleasure. You guys do phenomenal work with this podcast. Congrats on 2,000 subscribers and I look forward to being back soon. That's right. We'll have Parker back probably in July once the dominoes start to fall because they will. Just relax, Sooner Nation. If you're stressed about it, it's coming. Just be patient. Uh, we got things. Brent Venables has got this under control. Just remember that. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Make sure you tune in wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Go subscribe to the show over there. New goal, 2,500 by the start of football season. Help us get there. Tell a friend, tell a family member. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, Click the subscribe button, hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. And that's going to do it for Parker, for Josh. I'm John. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.